We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is At The Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to have you with us this week on the show. I'm Walker Wildman. I'm your host for the program today. This is our Friday edition of The Core. And uh, as we do each week, each Friday at least, we bring on with us Chris Woodward with American Family News. So we'll have Chris on with us in the last segment of the program today uh, from American Family News. AFN.net's their URL, by the way, AFN.net. And uh, in the second segment here in just a little bit, we'll have on Julianne Appling. She's president of uh, Wisconsin Family Action. And uh, we'll talk about what the Department of Justice is doing um, to abuse various statutes to go after pro-life advocates. So we'll talk with Julianne Appling from Wisconsin Family Action uh, in the second segment about uh, the Biden DOJ uh, going after pro-lifers with their powers. Uh, We are in Psalm chapter 61 this week, so let's turn our attention to the scripture. Uh, David says in verses 1 through 4, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Verse 4, let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Uh, David says in verse 2, the latter part of verse 2, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And uh, I was having a conversation earlier this week, but the the whole topic of the discussion was about creation and how you look around at creation, and it's just fascinating. I mean, it's mind-blowing uh, to, to look at how creation works, how creation functions. And um, the conclusion of the, 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 the conversation was that Look, I just don't know how people that are unbelievers can look around at creation to look how God mastered everything and uh, and and claim that there is no God, there is no creator. We just, you know, we 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 came out of nothing and 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 we just came from from the sea scum, etc. Um you look around and and the logical conclusion is that we do have a creator. And you look in God's word and that is the the exact truth. Um, David says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So we all have someone that is higher than us, and that is our creator, God. That's Psalm chapter 61. Um, I want to cover some some stories this first segment before we get to our guests the next two segments. Um, one thing I've been tracking for the past year or two, and this is this is not a new story, but it continues developing, is what's been going on with the Southern Baptist Convention. And um, uh, I'm a, a Southern Baptist. Um, I'm, a, I'm a, an elder or a deacon within my church. And so I, I have an interest in this topic. But even if I wasn't, even if I went to, to an independent or another denomination, uh, this is still a very important topic because it deals with the overall body of Christ. And so this, this Southern Baptist Convention story uh, really began um, a couple years ago with reports of, and, and I'm, I'm going to give you the, the, the layman's, you know, backdrop. I'm going to keep things simple. I'm not going into the weeds. Um, 
and and providing unnecessary or extensive detail. But let me just give you the summary here. Uh, this this topic began when there were reports of the executive committee at the Southern Baptist Convention um, that they were receiving reports of of sexual abuse and harassment, etc., and other types of sin. They were receiving reports of this happening with church leaders, all right? These were either pastors, associate pastors, youth pastors, uh, music ministers, etc., that that were in a Southern Baptist-associated church. Okay, so the, the whole scandal began with that backdrop, or the alleged scandal began with that backdrop. And to, to help everyone understand how the Southern Baptist Convention is structured— um, it's it's a it's a purely voluntary uh, convention. So so no no member church is required or forced or is any is in any kind of contract with the Southern Baptist Convention. It's all voluntary. They're member churches, all right, and their membership is voluntary. So if they want to participate, great. If they don't want to participate, they don't have to. And so um, one of the one of the the issues that was being fleshed out with this Southern Baptist Convention story is, well, if if these are voluntary memberships with the convention from various member churches around the country, if these are all voluntary, then does the does the convention itself, does the convention body have any um, any really formal role in in fielding? And per, and going about investigations and disciplinary procedures on 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 churches around the nation that it really has no legal or, or formal authority over. All right, so that that was that was the, the debate. Well, as it, after a lot of pressure, um, the Southern Baptist Convention ended up uh, forming uh, basically a group, an ad hoc group, a committee um, to to explore these allegations and, and that group ended up hiring a a private uh company called guidepost to run the investigation into these allegations of abuse well guidepost is obviously not a christian uh business not a christian organization um guidepost is a secular organization they're not a faith-based organization and so that was the first red flag, is that that the Southern Baptist Convention, putting aside the the, the debate over whether the convention has ha, has an obligation to to begin investigating allegations from who knows where all around the nation, setting that aside, assuming they did want to to conduct this investigation. Biblically, hiring unbelievers to run a biblical um, uh, disciplinary investigation is not the way to go. So that was the first red flag, is that they hired a secular company to run an investigation into the ministry. And so they, they ran the investigation, paid a couple million dollars for it. We really didn't learn anything new, maybe a couple new details out of this multi-hundred-page uh, report. And by the way, in the report, Guidepost, the investigative firm, 
Here's the term they used on people that were accusers. Survivor. They use the word survivor. And the reason this is a problem is because what happened to being presumed innocent unless proven guilty through the court of law? So these were accusations. Some of them were corroborated. Some of them weren't. Few of these were actually uh, took place in a in a governmental, civil, uh, legal setting. Most of these were just handled privately. But guideposts use in 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 the entire report they use the word survivor, which leads everybody to the conclusion that these are hard, fast, proven cases of abuse, even though they weren't. And so that was another red flag. But then lastly, what developed this past week is that the Southern Baptist Convention uh, at at last year's convention decided to um, have a database built where they could fill these alleged abuses in this database. And then SBC member churches could query this database when they're hiring people and see if anyone's in there. Well, the problem amongst many with this database, by the way, which they're wanting to hire guideposts again and pay them one to two million bucks to build a website, is this database is an extra legal database. This is not a database like you can run a background check and see if someone's been charged with a crime. But this is going to be an extra legal, an extra governmental database, which means it's outside of the governmental realm where people can submit and they can field complaints of abuse. Does nobody else see the problem with this? I mean, this is this is a nightmare waiting to happen. Where you can destroy someone's life based on a false accusation. And so this entire this entire story and this entire movement within the Southern Baptist Convention has completely gone off track if it ever was on track. So we go from the the the, the known operating procedure is that the Southern Baptist Convention is a is a purely voluntary convention that has no legal authority over local churches. But when it comes to allegations of abuse, they're all of a sudden accepting this responsibility that it's the, that it's their job as the SBC to fill out all these accusations and store them in a database. But then furthermore, um, it is an extra uh, governmental, an extra legal database uh, that is ripe for abuse. I mean, if you don't like somebody and if you don't like your pastor or you don't like your youth mentors, you just want to destroy their life and you have no moral character, well, you just file a false complaint with this Southern Baptist Convention database and you have just destroyed someone's career based on a false accusation. Oh, Walker, what about, what about if, the, if the accusation's true? Well, how do we know that? 
is the Southern Baptist Convention going to start investigating like the FBI, investigating every allegation and publish multi-page reports on the allegations? No, they're not set up for that. That's not what they're there for. Well, well, Walker, what's the remedy then? What's the remedy to abuse? Well, the remedy to abuse is a local church. That's the remedy. If someone has committed a crime, report it to the local police department. If someone has committed a crime, which half of these or more of these instances and these accusations are actual criminal acts. Some of them are just assuming they occurred are immoral acts, but the the majority of them are, are illegal, assuming they're true. And so if someone does something illegal, if a pastor does something illegal, if a pastor steals money, then report it to the local police department. And then most churches have a governing authority, a board of directors, if you will, to report this stuff to. But there are multiple ways for accountability to take place at the local church level without having to go to some national convention, spend millions of dollars on an unbiblical process and database that is ripe for abuse and that will, if they launch this, it will destroy people's lives that are innocent. I I wouldn't want to be a Southern Baptist pastor or youth pastor or minister because if somebody doesn't like me, For whatever reason, even if I've done nothing wrong or unbiblical or immoral, they can just launch some false allegation against me with this database and it will destroy my career, destroy my life. I will never get another job in the Southern Baptist Convention. And if you think it won't happen, you're wrong. Just last week, it came, it turned out, a, a report came out that, remember the Brett Kavanaugh accuser a couple years ago during the Trump administration and the Brett Kavanaugh hearings with the Supreme Court, etc.? That accuser, once again, an accuser, not a survivor, an accuser, she came out and said, it was all a lie. I made it all up, all for political purposes. That can happen and it will happen. We'll be back. At the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Now, back to At the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to The Core here on American Family Radio. Don't forget, if you want to watch the show, you can go over to streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net. You can watch the show there. And, of course, we'll uh, publish the show in the form of a podcast afterwards so you can listen to The Core wherever you listen to podcasts. I do want to introduce our next guest and a friend of the ministry here at AFA, Julianne Appling. She's the president of Wisconsin Family Action. Uh, Julianne's on with us now. Welcome to The Core. Well, thank you, Walker. It's good to be with you folks. Well, Jelaine, um, before we jump into some of these topics we want to talk about uh, that are going on in Wisconsin and applicable around the nation, uh, tell our audience a little bit about the work of Wisconsin Family Action. 
thank you. Uh, we really are a partner with American Family Association. Your issues are our issues. So we're a family policy council. Um, there's about 40 of us around the country. We're the Wisconsin version. We're all independent of each other and of any national group, but we all work on the same issues. And guess what? There's the same issues that AFA works on. Marriage, family, life, and the sanctity, uh, excuse me, religious freedom. And so we work in the state legislature advocating, um, you know, doing advocacy and lobbying works with our state legislators to try to help them understand what comprises a good bill that will strengthen, preserve, and protect uh, marriage, family, life, and religious freedom. And then, of course, at times we have to oppose legislation that would harm that. And we work in uh, through our C3, Wisconsin Family Council. We work in our churches and do educational um, activities, including voter information and GOTV efforts. And, you know, um, we, we host events. We're on the radio. We do all kinds of things to get the message out. And all, all geared to inform and inspire and involve God's people to be engaged in our culture with the truth, taking the truth to the people who need it, being that shining light in a dark place. That's good. Hey, Jelaine, uh, your group was was um, attacked. Uh, your headquarters there in Wisconsin last year were attacked by by um, uh, uh, um, what believed to be pro-abortion advocates uh, over the whole Supreme Court ruling, Roe v. Wade overturning before that, actually, because of the the, the opinion, the draft opinion that was leaked. But you've had a lot of experience with the Biden Department of Justice. Uh, tell us what's going on with the Biden DOJ and, and how they're treating pro-lifers. Well, that won't take very long. <laughs> to the best of my knowledge, there's very little going on. Hmm. We were attacked. We were the very first group that was attacked after the leaked Dobbs opinion in um, early May. So that was, like, I think, on the 3rd or something like that when that opinion was leaked on that Monday. That Sunday was Mother's Day, and early in the uh, morning that day, people, some people firebombed our office. They threw two Molotov cocktails into our office, and had they really been good at making Molotov cocktails, they would have destroyed most of the building in addition to just our office. They actually attacked my personal office, and I think that was very intentional on their part, Walker. Mm. And so... Um, at that point, on that Sunday when I was there, there was an FBI agent there, there was a uh, detective from the Madison Police Department, and there were, I think, an ATF agent there as well. And they left about 4.30 in the day, and they said to me, you need to understand this will be, we will be aggressively going after this. This will be an ongoing case, and now it'll take a little time, maybe a couple months or so before we actually get through all of the physical evidence, but, but this is really, we're going to make this a high priority. That was May 8th of 2022, and at this point, no individual has been taken in for questioning. No person has been apprehended. There is no, as far as I know, no one who was a suspect that is a serious suspect anyway. So we've offered a reward. We have a reward out there for up to $5,000 for information leading to the arrest or conviction of someone who, you know, knows something about this. But interestingly, Walker, um, between the time we were we were firebombed and now, there's been hundreds, right? Hundreds of these attacks all across the country. Mm. To date, to the best of my knowledge, there's only been one arrest, one. But a month ago, I was, uh, the detective that's assigned to our case here in Madison came to my office and he said, hey, I would like to have you um, meet some FBI agents tomorrow. Could we stop by? 
And I said, certainly. So they came by the next day. Three FBI agents from the domestic terrorism squad in Milwaukee came to our office, sat across from my desk, looked at me and said, we want you to know there's not a day that goes by that we don't touch this case. And um, assured me that they were doing everything humanly possible to find out who broke windows, started a fire, drew two Molotov cocktails into our office, caused all, ma- all kinds of mayhem and uh, disruption, and in addition to costs that have to be, you know, we had to pay for things to get things taken care of. But um, the next thing I heard was the next day that the FBI was offering a $25,000 reward. And then the next thing I heard was, hey, have you heard about the private investigation that's been initiated on some of these attacks? The guy up in Buffalo, uh, the PRC, the Pregnancy Care Center, that mm-hmm. was um, attacked up there. He started this private investigation. I'm, I'm sorry, Walker. I'm normally a really back-the-badge person. I really am. Yeah. I, I love law enforcement. So this is not boo-hiss all law enforcement. Sure. But the Biden administration's FBI agency has done nothing, nothing to find the perpetrators, not just for uh, the ones that attacked us, but all across this country. So re- that's the real crime right mm. there. So, so Jelaine, this, uh, so the FBI has been working on this since May of um, well, early June, basically, of 2022. And 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 I and I'm not I'm not I'm afar from this. You're you're in on this every week, and you probably talk to the detective and and get updates if there are any. And it sounds like there's not <laughs> any updates. But but law enforcement they have a lot of tools at their disposal, and we've seen this with the January sixth saga, where if you were even in the vicinity, uh, they've already pinged your phone. Uh, they they they've done the, what they call the dragnet. They've pinged your phone figured out you were at the Capitol, came to your house, bust down your door, embarrassed you in front of your kids. And that's that's for, like, trespassing charges. That's not for domestic terrorism charges. But, Jelaine, you're saying here we are in 2023, and there's been zero progress, significant progress on this case. Well, that's exactly right. And, what, well, and it was, I think it was in August we heard about a situation that happened in I think it was Kalamazoo, Michigan, where a Duraflame log was set on fire on the rooftop of a Planned Parenthood facility. Within four days, they had the perpetrator, as they should have, right? Mm -hmm. And they knew exactly where he had bought the Duraflame log. So, uh, you know, the example you're citing there with the January 6th incident at the U.S. Capitol and this incident here in Kalamazoo, they can find these people. Walker, you've never been to our office but we are on the road that leads to the Dane County Regional Airport. It's not like we're tucked away back in, you know, a little corner and a path somewhere, or, you know, you got to you know, machete your way back to our office. Yeah. We are on a main thoroughfare, and there are people that go through there all the time. We're not the only organization and business in our building. There's like, and there's like about five or six, maybe seven or eight buildings in the same area. And no, uh, there's no reason that they shouldn't ha- have found something. Hmm. And I just want to back up. You said, you know, what kind of updates I get from the Madison Police Department. I, I want to I be careful how I say this because I don't want to alienate them. But mm-hmm. unless I call, I generally don't get any updates. 
And in fact, that's what they told me when we filed an open records request asking for any information on the progress of our case. First of all, they denied the request because it was a, quote, ongoing open case, right? So, uh, and then they said, if you want information, you should just, you should pick up the phone and make the phone call. I don't often think of myself as a victim, but in this situation, we are the victim. Yeah. And the victim shouldn't have to be, you know, hounding the police for an update on the case. Mm. It's not that I think we're the only case they have. Obviously, that's that's ridiculous to think that. Yeah. But I do think in a situation that's high profile, the the day we were attacked, it was almost like the 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 firebombing that went around the world, right? Mm -hmm. And in fact. My some people have joked and said my office is the office that's been seen around around the world <laughs> because that's the picture they show. Sure, but but laws of, at the highest levels of our government in the in the you know the Department of Justice, the wheels are I, I, if they're turning they're turning extremely slowly, and I have reached the point where I can no longer say well it's just how the process goes. Yeah, I don't believe that any longer. Well, and to, I believe this is about who we are. Yeah, and to your point, Jelaine, um, the 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 Biden Department of Justice they're running down pro-lifers that got in a little little at a, at a maximum they got in a misdemeanor scuffle on the sidewalk with Planned Parenthood workers, and that's that's if you if you really take it to a jury. But the vast majority of these cases where the Biden DOJ is arresting pro-lifers for the smallest of reasons. The vast majority of these cases won't even make it to a jury. They'll either plea or the prosecutor won't follow it through. I mean, our country's got, like, firebombings to solve, not somebody pushing somebody on the sidewalk. That happens every day in New York City. Um, but, to, but to prove the point there, they're going back 12 months on something that happened with a pro-lifer at a Planned Parenthood clinic on the sidewalk, and they're busting down his door. I mean, the, the priorities are completely out of order. Hey, Jelaine, before I let you go, uh, you mentioned coming into the show uh, during the break that you have a, uh, a state Supreme Court race in Wisconsin. Update us on that. Well, some news outlets, Walker, have said this is the election of 2023. We have an open seat on our state Supreme Court that uh, the um, right now a conservative justice holds it, and she's decided not to run again for a third 10-year term. And we now, uh, as of Tuesday, we had our primary. We have a very, very solid conservative who came out second place in that primary, and we have an ultra-liberal who came out in the first place in that primary. The general election will be on April 4th, but what's at stake is the balance of our court. Right now, it's 4-3 conservative. If this open seat goes to the liberal, it goes 4-3 liberal. And, And seriously, you name it, and it's at stake in this election. Uh, our, our Act 10 law, our uh, parental rights, our school choice programs, our religious freedom, abortion, everything that that you can think of that would be important for us as conservatives is going to be on that ballot that day. Hmm. And uh, Daniel Kelly is the conservative. Janet Protasewicz is the is the liberal. And by the way, Walker, she has been so audacious that she has come out and had ads in which she said. I believe in a woman's right to choose. I believe that she should have the right to have an abortion. It's time for a change. That's that's how brazen she has been. So um, all across the country, national groups are looking at this and are 
are taking the opportunity to, you know, weigh in on this on both sides of it. So this is one that for everybody across the country to watch, if for no other reason, that it will have implications for 2024, since mm. the path to the White House still goes through Wisconsin. Absolutely. And Jelaine, uh, according to what I'm reading, you just had a primary on this. And when is the general in the spring? The uh, general is April 4th, Tuesday, April 4th, six weeks from now. Okay. And uh, I'm assuming iVoterGuide, which you partner with, is covering that? They have. They've done a great job of covering the primary. And um, I looked at that yesterday, and I saw that they had already put on the the primary version, at least who the winners are, and I'm assuming very quickly they'll have the losers taken out, and then um, we will heavily promote that in our state for people to know the difference between the two candidates. And by the way, I Voter Guide rates Kelly as verified conserv- uh, originalist and um, Janet Protasewicz as verified um, activist. Activist. Yes. Yes, activist. Excellent. Hey, Jelaine, thanks so much for your work there in Wisconsin. We'll continue to highlight this uh, state Supreme Court race, and uh, we'll have you on again. Oh, thank you very much, Walker. We're grateful for your ministry as well. Amen. Thanks so much, Jelaine. That's uh, Jelaine um, with the uh, Wisconsin uh, Family Action. Jelaine Appling, she's with Wisconsin Family Action. She's a president there, and uh, they're running pro-family policy in the state of Wisconsin and uh, these uh, these state groups are very important, folks. There's your American Family Associations, your Family Research Councils, et cetera, these national groups like, like AFA. Um, but we couldn't do anything without these state groups. I mean, these state groups, these state pro-family groups are the boots on the ground. Um, they're working with the state lawmakers. I mean, they're critical, critical to um, ensuring good legislation and fighting bad legislation in at the state level. So that's what Jelaine does in Wisconsin. Um, this topic of, uh, speaking of elections, the um, there's the, the primary season that we're really uh, marching into with the presidential primary season, even though it's not till 2024, the general election is. But, you know, the, the topic amongst many um conservatives today is you know who's going to be the republican nominee and there's the there's the the uh, president trump former president trump has declared and a couple others uh two others have declared um but there's this infighting between donald trump former president trump and governor DeSantis, uh and and, and it's taking the form in many different ways and many people are trying to figure out how to articulate their distaste for what's going on with Trump throwing shots at DeSantis. And I think we can sum it up like this. We have a common enemy of those who hate us, hate God and hate our values and hate our nation. That's our common enemy. And we don't need to spend time firing shots at each other. That pretty much sums it up, and I think that's why a lot of people don't like it when there's these inner uh, party fights between Trump, DeSantis, Pence, Nikki Haley, etc. It's just not good for the movement. We'll be back in a few.
Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Now, back to At The Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us on this Friday edition. As we do each Friday, we have Chris Woodward in with us from American Family News. Chris, welcome back. Thank you very much. Well, Chris, um, pretty busy week. We had the president of the United States over in Europe um, visiting Poland and Mm -hmm. actually going into Ukraine. And then we had the former president, Donald J. Trump, Mm -hmm. flying into Ohio, which is really what Biden should have been doing. Uh, Donald Trump went into Ohio, East Palestine, uh, to visit the families there uh, that are are, are going through that uh, train derailment, those toxic chemicals that were uh, released in, in a controlled manner. Um, so very, very busy news week. But there's some state legislators that are really working on some good legislation to protect our young people. What's uh, what's going on there? Yeah, uh, last week it was kind of everybody and their brother was moving towards uh, school choice and vouchers and uh, making education uh, better for all kinds of families. Uh, this week it's been uh, let's take steps to ban gender manipulation of minors. Um, Tennessee, for example, is the latest uh, example. Uh, Lawmakers there in Tennessee uh, set to ban or outlaw gender manipulation procedures against young people. So someone 17 and younger uh, can't go to the hospital for surgeries that might change his or her sex Mm. as if it could be changed, right? Uh, Medications couldn't be administered, stuff like that. So Tennessee's moving in that direction. What's interesting there, uh, House lawmakers voted 77 to 16 yesterday with three Democrats in Tennessee joining Republicans in passing that bill uh, in Tennessee. Uh, earlier in the week, we had Mississippi moving in that direction as well. The Senate-approved mm-hmm. legislation uh, that was really championed by House Speaker Philip Gunn in Mississippi. Yes. He's from the Madison-Hines area near Jackson. Uh, without Philip Gunn's support in the House, it really wouldn't have even gotten out of that chamber, but the Senate did pass it in Mississippi, and it's going to Governor Reeves, who does appear to be in favor of it. Yeah, um, Speaker Philip Gunn from Mississippi is a stalwart. I mean, this guy, he's got a backbone of steel. And every time we turn around and there's good legislation Mm -hmm. in Mississippi, most of the time, not all the time, most of the time, Philip Gunn is pushing it, or at least a part of it. So appreciate Philip Gunn and all of his work. I know I've had him on the show before. Mm -hmm. Um, Chris, these uh, people, you know, 10 years ago, you would have said, you know, is it legal for a 13-year-old to have their body cut on by a doctor in the name of transgenderism? Our gender affirmation, uh, you and I would have been like, no, that's insane. Who does that? That would be abuse. We mm-hmm. can't do that. But, Chris, uh, this does happen, unfortunately, under the guise of gender dysphoria and and treating uh, people who are confused about their sex. Mm-hmm. Um, there are story after story about young people and, and their parents that have consented to having these surgeries that permanently damage their body parts they do and and lawmakers uh that are in favor of passing the bans have said you know look we we offer all kinds of age restrictions for a number of other things driving a car buying tobacco or alcohol gambling entering into a contract getting a tattoo but we're gonna let a 13 year old yeah (laughs) we're gonna let a 13 year old decide he or she wants to become the other and then have you know um life-changing decisions uh made yeah um that oftentimes we uh, at AFN.net end up covering because sometimes uh, people that go through these procedures end up regretting it months or years later and wish they had never gone through it. 
So, um, yeah. you know, we're possibly preventing somebody uh, in this. I say we, Mississippi, we're possibly preventing somebody from being in a situation where five years from now they said, I wish I wouldn't have done it. Yes, absolutely. And there's testimony after testimony. And um, especially um, in today's society and culture, you know, there's there's a lot of kids who don't have a good, solid household. They don't have a mom and a dad mm-hmm. or they don't have one or the other. And maybe those parents aren't Christians and they don't have a biblical worldview and they think your sex is fluid. And and so they go along with it. And it's absolutely horrendous. And we've got testimony after testimony um, of people that go through these horrific procedures as 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 underage children and youth. And they end up regretting it uh, a year or two later, especially when they go and they want to get married and have children and start a family. Mm -hmm. Uh, Permanent damage is done there. And so Tennessee and Mississippi are working on legislation uh, to get these protections in place. And folks, this is good stuff. This has to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, this is this is the the importance of states around the nation. And this is how our founders intended it. Uh, but there, the states are becoming a refuge. Chris, uh, conservative states are becoming a refuge for sanity. Mm-hmm. Whether it be Florida leading the way, and now Mississippi, Tennessee, and other states. I mean, there are places around this nation where you can go and have a refuge from the transgender and ideological insanity. Yeah. Uh, And just going over some of the other states uh, that have moved in this direction, South Dakota, um, uh, Governor Nome signed a a ban into law earlier this month. Utah is also um, on the list. Alabama and Arkansas took steps a ways back uh, in this direction. They are in court, but I know like Alliance Defending Freedom is representing one or maybe both of those states, Alabama and Arkansas, in their court cases. Uh, So we could get some sort of ruling this year, uh, which may end up going all the way up, uh, but we could start getting legal rulings saying, no, you know, states do have the right. you got to, you know, move on and deal with uh, other things. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll continue to follow that, um, but some some good news items around the nation. And I just want to encourage our audience because we, 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 we try to cover a wide array of news affecting the church, the mm-hmm. body of Christ today. Um, and, uh, and there's, there's a lot of negative stuff out there. I mean, you can, you can read the headlines and find plenty of, 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 of negative stuff, but there's a lot of good people doing a lot of good things. And that's what we try to highlight on the show. Right. Um, Chris, um, the, uh, you got a story on the Missouri attorney, attorney general. Yes. Um, the, for those who, who don't know, or just to bring people up to speed, the, these, uh, prosecutors and the head, uh, a law enforcement officer of the state's called an attorney general. Um, these positions have a lot of power, a lot of authority, and a lot of say, and that can be for good or for bad. And but we're seeing Chris, some uh, the attorney general out of Missouri, do some good things with mm. their position. Right. Yeah. Uh, Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey uh, filed court documents yesterday seeking to oust St. Louis prosecutor Kim Gardner, who he contends has failed to carry out her duties on multiple fronts. Uh, People that have listened to AFR talk for a good while now may be familiar with the name Kim Gardner. Kim Gardner. Yeah. Uh, She's been uh, accused of uh, going soft on um, crime. Uh, She's been accused of uh, taking people to court for things that weren't necessarily illegal to begin with, for example. I believe she was the uh, prosecutor who um, took the 
uh, Missouri couple to court a few years ago when they were trying to protect their home yes. with guns from yes. people that were going through uh, the McCl- neighborhood? McCloskey, I believe. Right. Not I think McCloskey. she's the same prosecutor there. But nonetheless, uh, Attorney General Bailey is upset with Gardner because, uh, come to find out, uh, she was kind of soft on crime when it comes to a situation involving a 21-year-old Daniel Riley. Uh, he's the man that police say hit a uh, Tennessee volleyball player who was uh, in Missouri from out of town um, with her family, and he was uh, driving when he shouldn't have been, uh, and he hit this uh, individual, and now she's uh, you know never going to play sports again. Um, she's uh, really had a tough week, uh, really a tough month. Um, so she she refused to to prosecute. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Yeah, he was uh, he was out on bond after a 2020 robbery charge that was dismissed. Uh, his bond violations included letting his GPS monitor die and breaking terms for his house arrest, according to court records, which show he violated bond at least seven times since February 1st. And that's according to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. We do have a related story on our website, AFN.net. Yeah, this is, this is a problem. These uh, left-wing... Uh, non-law abiding prosecutors just refusing to uphold the law and it's a big big problem especially for victims um, and there's a, Chris there's a, there's a large wing of the Democrat party if not the majority mm-hmm. um, that are really soft on crime they, they they say our system is corrupt and and too many people in jail and they call them uh, uh, non-violent offenses mm-hmm. But even up, uh, Chris, in New York, they had that law that, that no no bail, basically a no bail um, uh, or no cash bail law right. that's now on the books where you can, you can like, beat somebody up downtown on the subway mm-hmm. in New York, get arrested, and you're out an hour later right. um, until you have your, your hearing. Yeah, this goes to show you something I think we've talked about before on the show. Today's Democrats are not your dad's Democrats. Uh, yes. There was a day in time where uh, people who were in office when Joe Biden arrived there 50 years ago uh, were tough on crime, and they found ways to increase police funding and increase uh, funding for law enforcement. Who, who doesn't want to be safe? Right, <laughs> right. Like it benefits common. everybody, right? Right. But now yeah. it's like, well, we have too many people incarcerated, and so we have to uh, start going easy on people, and that's going to save taxpayers money because these people are going to be back out and working in society and holding down a job and these kinds of things. Sometimes that is true, but sometimes uh, people that were let out when they shouldn't have been end up committing horrible things, mm. uh, horrible crimes, and then we have these stories to uh, discuss. So Attorney General uh, Bailey there in Missouri says, you know, I've had enough with this. Uh, we're going to find someone else for the position. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Kim Gardner, I'm trying to think uh, of some of the previous cases, but she's been there a while, and I've definitely uh, see, seen her name before. I, I want to say she was around during the Michael Brown um, I think uh, so. a story, but, but I don't know that for certain, so we'll do a little bit of research okay. on that, but I, I have heard her name in the headlines before. Um, what, are, what are some other things uh, that are going on in Newsworthy? Well, uh, this week, yeah, and this is uh, right next to uh, Missouri, uh, and it's it's more evidence that uh, elections have consequences. Um, in Kansas, uh, the new attorney general there, Chris Kobach, uh, told Walgreens, "Hey, if you do what the Biden administration is pushing you and CVS and Rite Aid to do, that being sell abortion pills uh, to people over the counter, I'm going to take you to court." And so Walgreens, after being threatened with legal action, says it will not sell the abortion pills in Kansas after their state attorney general said, I'm taking you to court if you do this. 
Yeah, this is this is uh, AFA and other groups, including Family Research mm-hmm. Council and others, pro-life leaders, uh, sent a letter to not just Walgreens but CVS and some of these ma- major right. major uh, pharmacies um, about these abortion pills uh, because whether whether people know it or not, fifty percent of abortions in America take mm-hmm. place via these abortion pills. Um, so you're saying, Chris, that Kansas, uh, because of Kansas's law and their attorney general, Walgreens says they're not going to do that? Yes. And uh, I know Students for Life, they actually organized a big uh, get-together on Valentine's Day where they organized, Students for Life did, outside Walgreens headquarters in Illinois uh, to say, hey, uh, we don't like you doing this, please don't do it, that kind of thing. We'll f- we'll find out whether or not... Um, some of the other big chains uh, move in, in the direction of Walgreens, those being CVS and Rite Aid. Uh, but you're right, a, a number of groups uh, were telling them, please don't do this. And uh, sometimes, um, you know, a, a company will do something, let's say, woke, and then the others uh, do the same thing because they want the publicity or they feel like they they need to. Now they kind of have a reason to say, you know what, we're not going to do this either because we're going to be sued in, in whatever state we're in by that attorney general. Yeah. So we might see some chains... Uh, move in the same direction as Walgreens, all because of an attorney general saying, if you do this, I'm going to sue you. Yeah, and that's that's good. And I'm hoping um, Walgreens will determine to do that in other states that have pro-life laws on the books that outlaw abortion. Uh, that would be a great, great thing. I mean, that's one of the big loopholes that's really in legal limbo now mm-hmm. is how to handle um these abortion pills, especially when they're being shipped over state lines. Right. I mean, it's a very tricky um, to stop, so we'll continue to track that. Yeah, um, I know. I know a lot of people are saying, "Well, it's less invasive. It's not as difficult and harmful to the woman uh, to take these pills versus going to an abortion clinic and and getting the procedure done there uh, with an abortionist." But uh, groups like FRC or even Right to Life, uh, Wisconsin, uh, you know, pro life groups uh, yeah. that you talk to would would tell you that there are big concerns with chemical abortion pills, and people need to know about it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, not only is it ending the life of the baby, but but it also there's story after story of women right. that are uh, bleeding out. I mean, it's 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 a it's a bad bad deal. Um, not under medical supervision. I mean, there's a lot of red flags there. Mm-hmm. Um, the first being taking the life of the baby. Um, Chris uh, Biden, you know, his tune has changed. Uh, a couple months ago, it was yeah yeah I'm running 2024. Yeah I'm running in 2024. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take on you know the Republicans. Um, things have kind of quietened down. Is there any any developments there? Well, it's certainly uh, the optics right now for a uh, re-election campaign do not look good based on things just, for example, East Palestine, Ohio. Yeah. The fact that it was three weeks ago and he's not gone, and then his press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, told reporters yesterday in the press briefing he has no plans to go at this time, that does not look good yeah. for a guy who who said... The man in power, Donald Trump, is not good for this country. He's mean. He's a terrible leader. I'm going to be the president that we need. The unifier. And, you know, and, right. <laughs> and here he is not going. I mean, he went to Ukraine on President's yeah. Day yeah. when people in East o- American people uh, needed help as well. And on President's Day of all day, the president went to Ukraine, and he got ridiculed for it uh, on our network by people like Todd Starnes on the Jenna Ellis show. The podcast is still up if yeah. anybody missed that. So it doesn't look good. Um, and, you know, the question is, who's going to step up? Is it going to be a Gavin Newsom? Is it going to be Kamala? Uh, could Pete Buttigieg try <laughs> to run? 1% Harris. That's what I'll call her. 1% Harris. That's what she got in the primary. Yes. Before she uh, dropped out and joined the Biden ticket. 
Well, folks, we'll continue to keep an eye on all these uh, reports, but there's some good things going around on around the nation, especially at the state level. Um, there are good things happening at the state level around the country and people fighting for our values in Washington, D.C. Chris, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Don't forget, American Family News, AFN.net that URL, AFN.net. Check it out. Read their stories. Subscribe to the newsletter. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.